Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning, One Hope. Merry Christmas again. There's not too many times I can say that uh, to you. Uh, We're getting so close. As Bill said, next week we are going to have church together. We're going to meet together, but it's going to be at 5 o'clock, and I hope that you'll be here as a part of that. Also, you know, this is a really traditional thing that we do every year as a church, is this Christmas Eve service. I mean, and we all know those Christmas Eve services, it it mounts to that moment when you light that candle. It's just really fun, and so there may be some people who don't have that tradition, they haven't um, done that. Maybe you can invite them. They can be part of that moment as a church. But I'm looking forward to that next Sunday at 5 o'clock. I um, also want to tell you before I move on to the message today, um, last week I did a video after... Um, we had done all the uh, Christmas offering stuff and uh, told you what you had uh, given and, and, and we brought in that day. Well, well, there, there was a gift just kind of just after I did the video. And so I wanted to let you know that um, last week we ended up having $64,200 for our Christmas offering. And, and I'll, I want to make sure you know why we talk about this is um, first, I want to thank you like, it, it takes a generous church to do generous things. But also, we believe we're called to be generous. We're called to give away. And so, um, this is not for our recognition. As, as much as it is, continue to build that culture and that Christ-likeness in us that we are walking out with the way we think Jesus walked out on this earth. And sometimes that is financial. Sometimes that is through serving. Sometimes that is just giving our time and um, our emotions and, and ourselves to other people. So we do this in various ways. But over Christmas, you guys are so generous and I want to thank you for that and and uh, and I just love the church that we are and uh, we're able to do that so thank you for that and it was a great time last week to be able to see that money go out into our into our community and hear the stories of just gratitude and stories of what it meant to people and organizations so yeah so thanks for that um you know this but there's also some studies done That something has happened over the past uh, maybe three or four years. They're noticing some trends in culture, and I think you see it, and I think you feel it. And and I think it does actually have an effect on us whether we recognize it or not. But people are starting to notice that for the last few years, our culture has becoming uh, increasingly becoming more cynical and less trusting than ever before. I was reading some studies this week, people do, and, and, and kind of getting some statistics of, of what people are noticing in our culture, and, and I'll just highlight some of those for you today. I read an article where um, in 1960, approximately almost 80% of the people trusted the government. As of this past year, a study was taken it's down to about 15% of people actually trust the government. The medical field fared a little bit better, but just a couple years ago, it was said that 39% highly, of people highly trusted the medical field, and today it's about 23%. The trust of our police officers is down 20%. Principles of schools, down 10%. Even our military, down 8%. Religious leaders, down 7%. They're saying only 55% of people said, I trust a religious leader. 
trust is going down. When, when, when it's asked about people around us, the answers were only 29% of people said they could highly trust the people around them in society. What studies are telling us is people are increasingly growing in their cynicism, growing in their lack of trust, and this is actually having effects on our culture. In, in these studies, the, the, the links that they made, and it's multiple places making these links, that as cynicism goes up, as lack of trust goes up, they're, they're saying it has strong effects on depression, heart attacks, even cancer, dementia, suicide rates. At the end of the day is what they're saying is trust breaks down in our culture. We break down as a group and as individuals. Something happens to us as cynicism rises and trust falls. Something happens in us and in us as people. Now, why does this matter? Well, today we're going to continue the conversation that we've been having all over this Christmas, that, that God came to be with us. And we've looked at how it was prophesied in the Old Testament writings that he would come, and then it was written about in the New Testament by people confirming it because they experienced it firsthand. And in Jesus' coming, it's believed that it, it changed everything about their life and our life today. Sort of. Sort of. And I say sort of because maybe I would prefer to say it this way. In God coming to this earth to be with us, it has the potential to change everything about our lives. See, the first week, what we talked about was the greatest gift that humanity received in Jesus coming to this earth was, well, exactly that. His presence. In his presence, coming to be with us is this is where we find all those things that I think our soul deeply longs for. In his presence, hope is found at another level. In his presence, joy is found at another level in his presence there's a peace that comes up it doesn't matter what is happening in life this is found in the presence of God but we need to lean into this relationship if we are going to experience an ongoing presence of God in our life or as I quoted brother Lawrence from the 1600s there are things that we can do to practice the presence of God that was week one week two we talked about how life can change in the coming of Jesus, particularly the reason that we live. See, when we see the story of Jesus coming, and we went back in the Old Testament, how we saw it was actually an elongated story. It was like one continual story. We, we see that in Jesus' coming, he came with a mission in his life. Even the angels before Jesus was born had to speak to his parents to let them know that he was coming, but not just that he was coming, why he was coming. And the angel had told Joseph he's got to come because the people need to be saved. And as Jesus lived out his life, we see him living out this mission to seek and save the lost, to meet people where they're broken and hurting. This is the life of Jesus. But 
we also reminded ourselves, hopefully reminded ourselves, that Christmas only launches the story of Jesus coming, launches the story of Jesus' mission, because as the story continues, we do see that eventually Jesus does leave. We know this. But he didn't just leave the conversation at the end of his life and leaving. He looks at the people who are closest to him. He looks at the people who have given their life to him. And he says, the mission starts with me, but it's your turn now. That we forget that in Jesus' coming, he did come to be with us, but he, he came with, with a, a specific and intentional mission. And at the end of his life, he says, you've got to keep doing this. So through the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, it said, hey, you have to live your life differently. That every one of us has a choice why and how we're going to live. Every one of us has the ability to wake up in the morning and have a, everybody has a why in the reason they wake up, but we have a choice what life is going to be about. Are we going to be people who share the hope of Jesus? Are we going to be people who through our life are going to point people to where salvation is found just like Jesus was doing? See, with God coming to be with us through Jesus, everything changes or has the potential to change. That was the first two weeks, and we move on to today. The last conversation before we meet together for Christmas Eve, and, and, and maybe wondering, why today do I begin this message talking about cynicism? Why do I begin talking about the lack of trust that seems to be growing in our culture? The trusting, or the lack of trusting of each other, the lack of trusting of leaders, the, the lack of trusting, you name it, it is growing. Why? Well, it's really important to me because I think... That lack of trust that happens in yours and my life every day, we would have to admit this is something we all have experienced. It sometimes can then bleed into our relationship with God. As we begin to develop a habit of mistrust, as we begin to have a filter of cynicism of what's going on around us, what we don't realize, this can affect every facet of our lives. And we can, without recognizing, lump in Jesus into our frame of thought. And we can get to the point of, can I trust him too? Now, for some of you, like, I would never do that. But I'm telling you, this happens. Begin to wonder. We see all the things around us that just mess with our minds that we can't trust that, we can't trust that, we can't trust that, we can't trust that. And I know you have your things. But what can happen is, can I trust God? Well, I don't think it has to be that way. I don't want to be that way. So today, we're going to read a, a portion of scripture that you have heard at some point before in your life. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read 1 through 7. I'll give you a moment. If you've got your phones, you've got your Bibles, we'll see have it on the screen in a second. We're going to go Isaiah chapter 9, and want to have the discussion about where we put our trust. Isaiah 9. Can I read it for you? It says, Nevertheless, 
There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning uh, destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. Now, I think you know this verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, that from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, especially verse 6 right there. You, you know this portion of Scripture, right? Like at some point throughout the Christmas season on social media, your own personal readings, at church on Sunday, Christmas Eve services, some point you will see that verse 6, right? That we believe this is one of the many prophecies of the coming of Jesus. That God spoke to them in the Old Testament of what would happen in the New but, have you ever thought about that little verse that you've heard maybe plenty of times what was going on around it? Do you ever think about when one verse is plucked out? Do you ever wonder what is happening or why did the writer write that? I mean, I'll just tell you, and I've told you this often, this is why it's okay to bring out a verse, it's okay to love a particular verse, but when reading the scriptures, do you ever like, oh, instead of just the verse, I need to know the whole story of what's going on. I know for me, when this happens, the story just illuminates, the scripture becomes so much more real, like you go, oh, that's why this was needed to be said, well... That's what I want to do this morning with Isaiah 9, because maybe you haven't done it before. Why was this portion of Scripture that we read probably every Christmas, why was it needed? Why was it so memorable for these people? Let me tell you. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, is uh, known as a major prophet. There are major prophets and minor prophets. When I'm in college and I'm taking classes, I have a class. Major prophets, I've got minor prophets. And I take tests on major prophets and minor prophets. And we break these down. Isaiah was a major prophet. The first five chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah does what many prophets do. They come onto the scene and they have a message for the people in saying, you have walked away from Yahweh and have taken on other gods. The first five chapters is basically him showing them, you have left the one you said you love. You've left the one who is the true God. You've given yourself to other gods. That's the first five chapters of Isaiah. 
He's letting them know, almost like a bullhorn, of you have left the God and traded your allegiance for other God. This is what he's trying to get a message across in the first five chapters. Then chapter six through eight, he has a message for them. If you read chapter six through eight, you'll see that he is giving them a warning that these people are about, that they as people are about to be attacked in a brutal way. It's going to start at the highest, the northern part of Israel, but eventually we'll get to the southern part. The northern part would be like the Galilean region, Caesarea region. It is going to be attacked in a huge way. And he's looking at them and saying, you've made allegiances to other leaders. You've made allegiances to other lands. Trying to protect yourself, trying to make life good, you are connecting yourself to other people, but it's not going to work because these people are going to turn on you. Specifically, people called the Assyrians. The Assyrians are brutal. They are brutal. Throughout the course of history, they are a brutal people who did brutal things. You would know them from another story, um, Jonah. Okay, Jonah, when God calls Jonah to go where? Nineveh, right? Nineveh is in Assyria. They are Assyrians. And Jonah didn't want to go because he didn't like them. He didn't want them to be saved for their sins. He didn't want them to hear the message because they were bad people to him. Because they had done brutal things. Well, here in Isaiah, Isaiah is saying, hey, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to destroy you. This is the backstory of, that leads up to what Isaiah says in chapter 9 that we just know as this beautiful Christmas story. A son is going to be born. Why is he saying it? Because they turned from God and they're about to be destroyed. With that in mind, can I read it again to you? With that in mind, can I read it to you and you hear it like they would have heard it? First word, nevertheless. Okay? Did you get when I first read it, you probably like, why does he start with nevertheless? Well, because he had just spoken these other two. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he has humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future will honor Galilee of the nation. Where was the battle? It was destroyed. This is what's coming. This is what's happening. By the way of the sea beyond Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, bad things have happened. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat. Now stop here for a second. I didn't know what that meant this week. As in the day of Midian's defeat. What? what? I begin to look up. 
It's referring back to Judges chapter 7 where a huge victory happened in their life. And Isaiah's pointing back. You want to know what this is going to feel like? You want to know what's going to happen? Just like the days of Midian, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. All this stuff for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the greatness of his government and peace there'll be no end he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah is speaking to them. Isaiah is having a conversation. He's being a prophet. He's speaking truth to them that you have given yourselves to God, other gods. A brutal enemy is going to come in and bring destruction. But let me tell you some good news. Yes, this is going to happen, but there is good news. A child is going to be born. And listen, the government is going to be on his shoulders. That's the first thing he says. The government is going to be on his shoulders. Do you know what that means? Authority will be found in him. Real authority is going to be found in him. Nothing is going to be above him. This is the message he's giving. The government on his shoulders. Like this is where foundation is. That authority is really going to be found in him. That, that all this mess is happening, this bad stuff's happening, but a son is going to be born. He's going to have real authority. He's a wonderful counselor. You'll know him because he'll be a wonderful counselor. He will be able to give guidance and direction that we really need. When you think about after bad things happen in life, don't you sometimes just want someone to say, this is what you're to do now? Don't you ever think like, well, what do I do when things have fallen apart? What do I do after something has come in and brought destruction? When you're going through some of your hardest moments, isn't a counselor really important to walk with you through these things to say, I know what can help you. Can I help giving direction? He's going to have authority, but he's also going to be able to give direction. He's going to be able to give guidance. He will be a wonderful counselor, but also a mighty God. Like, do you ever slow down and just think about these characteristics of Jesus coming to this earth? Or you just take a passage of Scripture and go, oh yeah, Jesus is coming. No, Jesus is coming and He is the authority. Jesus is coming and He is the wonderful counselor, the director, the guide of our life. And He is mighty God. 
power is found in him. There is no one more powerful than the one that is coming. If you have been overpowered, but then someone says, who has power is coming for you, what is that feeling like? When you feel weak, when you feel that destruction, when you feel that weight of someone that is more powerful, and someone goes, no, someone is coming, and they are a mighty God, they are powerful, what would that do for them? Everlasting Father, that he has been and always will be. There's not a time that he hasn't been and there's not a time that he won't be. He is the everlasting father before all of this, after this, bigger and greater than what they have experienced, seen, bigger than themselves. Prince of peace. Prince of peace. Their life is chaos. There is no peace in the land because they're being brutally destroyed. Isaiah has given them a prophecy. This is what's going to happen. The Assyrians are coming. This relationship that you thought you had is not the relationship. Almost you can't trust this relationship because you're going down. But there is a Prince of Peace coming. But the greatest amount of peace that they will receive is a peace between them and their creator, them and God. And can I just say, we go, if we were to fast forward to the Jesus story, this isn't the kind of peace that they were looking for. They were looking for peace in the land. And Jesus came and he's bringing peace between them and God, which is a greater peace than they can get anywhere else. This is what I get from this conversation or this, this book, this, this message from Isaiah. The people listening would have understood that life is a mess. Many times they would have given themselves to other things than God. Many times life was going against them. Life is really hard. There are things that are coming in their life that they didn't see then, but would be coming later. But, but, Isaiah says, God is still going to pursue them. But, God is still in power. But, God isn't done with them. God has been and always will be. He is the only place where peace can be found. It's almost Isaiah was looking at them and saying, I know what life looks like and what life is going to be. And I know why you wouldn't trust this life and the people that you are around. But will you put your trust in the Lord? When everything falls apart, Will you put trust in the Lord? I think this is his message to them, which brings the message to us as one hope. 
Life can be a mess. Many times we can choose other things than God. Many times life goes against us. Life is hard. There are things that are going to be coming in our lives that we don't see now, and it isn't going to be easy. But in the midst of that, God is still pursuing you. God is still in power. God isn't done with our lives. God has been and always will be. He is the place where you can find real peace in life. Rather than choosing cynicism, can we choose to trust? In the midst of losing trust with everything, and as the studies have said, everyone around us, can we still trust him? I want to say something really blunt and clear about this Christmas season, this Christmas story, and Jesus. Jesus coming to be with us does not matter in our lives if we are not willing to trust him with our lives. I want to say this again. I want to say it slowly. Jesus coming to be with us doesn't matter in our lives if we are not willing to trust him with our lives. Here's what I mean. If you are not willing to trust Jesus then Christmas is just another holiday. Christmas is just like Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, your birthday. Spend time with family, generosity, good food, memories created. But if we are not willing to trust Jesus with our lives, then him coming does not matter. The story of Christmas has the potential to change everything, but it comes down to will we trust him? And here's the truth about your life, and here's the truth about my life. We all have something we're not trusting Jesus with right now. You and I have something, I believe it's in every one of us, that we battle trusting God with. There are areas in our life that we do trust Him. But there is something in each and every one of us that we hold on to that we want to trust ourselves more than God. There's something in every one of us that we really wrestle with. Do we give this to God or not? I'm not convinced that any of us has this trust issue completely taken care of because this is a battle in our brokenness. And for some of us, we have to ask ourselves, will we trust Jesus with things like our pain, 
our fears, our anger, our doubts, the areas of disappointments, our areas of weaknesses, our relationships, our unknown futures, our todays. This Christmas and holidays does, does this to us. It kind of elevates the pains that we've experienced in our lives. There's something about holidays where it kind of brings to the surface what we've been trying to tuck away. And some of us have some pain and it asks us to say, will we trust Jesus to be our healer in that pain? There are people who have fears that you push down these fears, but there are moments they creep up in us and they can almost be debilitating, right? They just grab a hold and they won't let go. And I wonder if in our fears, there's a moment where we trust him that he really is our protector. There's some anger this Christmas. Maybe it's connected to those disappointments. And, and in these moments when we're feeling them, we have to ask ourselves, will we trust Jesus with our anger and our disappointments and say, will you bring joy and peace when really what I want to feel is anger and disappointment? Holidays have a way of accentuating the fractures in relationships. How we trust Jesus in these as we bring them to and just say, God, will you do a work in these because I can't fix these relationships, but I'm going to put them in your hands and ask you to guide me through it. We all have our things. We don't know what tomorrow brings, and so we take everything in our hands. Today seems overwhelming, so we, we, we kind of carry Jesus with us, but it's really us setting the pace, whatever it is. But the question I have is, will we trust Jesus this Christmas? Because in God coming to be with us, it gives us someone to trust. This Christmas, we've talked about his presence. We've talked about his mission. But at the end of the day, if we don't trust him, we don't care about his mission. If we don't trust him, we're not really going to care about his presence. I'll be honest with you, I had a different message prepared for today. I, I told my wife Amber, I said, uh, I don't think I'm supposed to speak this message and I actually don't know what the message is but I think God has asked me to wipe that away because there's another one there and I landed here in a portion of scripture I didn't expect and quite frankly for me didn't know all about but as I looked into Isaiah chapter 9 and I'm like whoa there's a lot going on and maybe we can resonate with because life isn't easy we struggle with giving ourselves away to a lot of things. 
Trust is really hard. Are we going to put our trust in God when life becomes a mess? And so I just put it in your lap today to say, hey, this Christmas, in the midst of all the stuff, in the midst of what you're going to do in this next week, Will you decide that you'll trust him in whatever is going on? Whatever area that you try to push down, will you actually allow it come to the surface and say, I trust you? Because you've met your people from the beginning of time until now. You are trustworthy. And so that's my challenge today. Be real with yourself. Is there an area of your life you don't trust God? Is there an area of your life that you are taking into your own hands or giving that trust somewhere else? And this Christmas, may it be a time where we say, Jesus, you came to be with us, and I'm going to trust you because of this. And so, God, I bring before you today your people. There are people watching and listening online, and there are people in this room right now, God, who we don't want to tell each other the areas we don't trust you. But God, I can't be the only one that wrestles with this. I can't be the only one that really battles with where am I going to put my trust. And Christmas time kind of brings us to the surface of what really matters most in life and what are we really going to believe in. And, and God, there are times when we have given ourselves to a lot of other things and they become little gods in our life. There are times... God, when life has been a mess and we don't, want, we don't know what to do, but today, God, may your scripture remind us that you're the one in authority. You're the one that's in power. You're the one that's been there the whole time. You're the one that brings peace. You are mighty God over everything that we really can trust you. And so, God, if any of your people today, any of your people you love are struggling with this, may you speak to a deep place inside of them that they can trust you when it feels like they can't trust anything else. So speak to us as we close today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.